Face-off. Franchise. Bonus track. Bonus track. Five fans, four fans. Five fans, four fans. My franchise. Franchise. Bonus tracks? Bonus tracks. Franchise. Five fans, four fans. Franchise. Bonus tracks. Five fans, four fans. My franchise. Five fans, four fans. Christ. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Bonus Tracks. Bonus Tracks. That's right. The My Franchise Bonus Tracks. We're starting a new series called Kill Your Heroes. Yes. I'm Jeremy from the My Franchise Football Podcast, and I'm going to be killing a hero today. (laughs) And Glenn from the My Franchise Baseball Podcast is here, and he's here to talk about this concept. Yeah, so we want to do this Kill Your Heroes thing where basically we take... The time to analyze a all-time great career, and in a lot of respects, you know, tear it down. It's a lot of guys get, you know, this this mythology built around them for various reasons, whether it be their actual accomplishments, their off-field behavior, whatever it is, and I, a lot of times people disagree with that. And today we're gonna piss a bunch of people off, I'm sure. Well, Jeremy's well, gonna piss a bunch of people off. Probably not most of our friends. I no. don't know too many people who like this guy. But uh, <laughs> but you know, if if we ever reach the East Coast, there's probably gonna be some pretty upset people. Uh, yeah, there's gonna be. I have at least a few friends who are gonna be very upset if they actually listen to this episode. But um, what what we want to talk about is the these guys who are. You know, first ballot Hall of Famers, um, you know, guys who are lauded as some of the all-time greats, guys who are respected outside, well-known outside of their their own sport and their own fan base just because of who they are. And we want to take a minute to, and really this is about having fun, you know. Oh, yeah. We're not trying to change anybody's mind. We're not trying to tell you that a certain guy sucks or... Uh, wasn't worthy of his his Hall of Fame uh, career, whatever you want to call it, his Hall of Fame votes or anything like that. But we want to sit there and take a minute and just go like, really rethink this person and say, is this guy one of the greatest of all time? Well, and let's let's take the guy we're talking about today. Um, I mean, this is a guy, and no one's going to debate that this is a great player. No one's going to debate that this is a Hall of Famer. But I'm going to argue today that he's not as good as everyone thinks he is. I stunningly, based on the research that I've done for this, am probably going to actually argue that he is as great as everybody thinks he is. I was, I was pretty impressed when uh, we came to the end of this. But I, I will say, before we before we reveal this, I know we're, we're teasing pretty hard right here. Um, I will say that an interesting topic that's come up uh, between the two of us as we were kind of researching and, and figuring out this podcast is... At the end of the day, these are these are team sports we're talking about. Today we're going to talk about baseball, um, which is uh, obviously a huge team sport. Like you can have all the offense in the world if you can't, you know, stop people from scoring runs, then you're going to lose the game. Just ask um, the Twins; they do it every year. Indeed, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, individual accomplishments are hard to quantify in team sports. I I would say. Um, to call a guy the greatest of all time, a lot of that does depend on 
uh, a lot of that does depend on the teammates that they were around, the environment that they were in. When you're talking about like, in particular, like Olympic sports, like like weightlifting or, or you know the the hundred meter sprint or golf. Uh, golf is a, a fantastic example. Diving, swimming. All these things where you're just one person going out there and doing the best you can do. When you set world records in, you know, Michael Phelps, for example. Yep. It's hard to make an argument that he's not the greatest, right? Right. You have all these records to back it up. Now you can talk about how sports and and training and just the human body has progressed over the years. But, I mean, you have the argument of eras and you have, I mean, like even when you look at golf, for example, I mean... Greg Norman, Tiger Woods, you know, Arnold Palmer, all the, you know, who is the greatest and all that, you know, Ben Hogan, whatever it might be. Like, yes, there, you, you can still have the, the barroom, you know, barstool argument about who's the greatest of all time. But at the end of the day, like, no one can really argue that Tiger Woods was a great golfer. Right. It's, it's, an, it's an individual accomplishment. He wasn't made better because, you know, he played with somebody else who was also great. Um... Yeah, people can do the like uh, Jordan was great, but Pippen was also great kind of kind of bit. Carl Malone and John Stockton go hand in hand, sort of routine. Um, well, and you can also make the argument of competition. I mean, you know, for example, like Phil Mickelson. Would Phil Mickelson have been considered a greater golfer had he not had to play against Tiger Woods for most of his career? I mean, like, there's those types of things that you can look at. But at the end of the day, an individual sport, it's it's pretty black and white. It is or it isn't. Yes, and you can look, you know, even with the Mickelson-Tiger debate, you can look and sit there and go, did he win as many championships as he maybe would have without Tiger? No, probably not. But what were his individual accomplishments? What exactly did he do on those golf courses? That still stacks up and can still be measured uh, sans competition. Correct. There's definitely no one that thought we'd be sitting in your basement talking about golf. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is a, a perfect example of, of what we're kind of getting at with this thing. So we're going to tear down, kill a hero. Um, do you want to tell him who it is? Do you want I, me to tell him who it is? Like, well, who do you want to get the hate mail? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm the segment. one. I'm the one who's killing the hero, so I might as well. I might as well drop the bomb. Um, Derek Jeter. Okay. Um, the first guy I thought of when, when we started pitching this concept and talking about this idea was Derek Jeter. Just because throughout my pretty much entire life, I mean, like, J- Jeter started when I was, like, 15 years old. Yep. So, you know, pretty much my entire life, he was just there. And everybody kept telling me how great he was. And I just, I never really agreed. And, and I, I thought that without really diving into the numbers and looking at different aspects of it. But I always said, like... It just seems like it, they're selling me something. It just doesn't seem like everything is what it seems to be. Well, and I feel like we're we're from the Midwest. We we live in Minnesota, um, which most of you guys would know if you listen to the football or the baseball podcast. But that, I feel like that happens a lot with East Coast and West Coast teams. We get sold an awful lot of New York. We get sold an awful lot of Boston. We get sold an awful lot of L.A. Um, guys in those zip codes tend to get more cred across the country than a guy who's cranking away in Cincinnati, in Milwaukee, in the Twin Cities. So I definitely agree with you on the, I I always felt like I was getting sold a bill of goods. And quite frankly, we're of the era where the Yankees are the big, bad, evil team, right? 
Like, we are predisposed to hate the Yankees. For sure. It's it, it's a, it, especially against the Twins. As, as yeah, I mean, the, the some of the best teams, I mean, obviously I grew up and I, I, I was seven years old for the 87 World Series, 11 years old for the 91, but some of the greatest teams when I was old enough to really appreciate and, like, be a mega fan of the Twins, they got shit-canned by the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, they got manhandled <laughs> by the Yankees. It was never it was never pretty. It was never fun. It was always oh. just... and Up to last year, for crying out loud. You know, like, they, they just can't... It's a hurdle they can't overcome, so well, it becomes an enemy. To the point where, like, I mean, even, like, as a Twins fan, no one thought we could win that series. Like, all Twins fans, well, it's the Yankees. We can't win that series. It's not, I mean, like, so that's, you know, that even as a fan, like, we got this thing in our head with the Yankees as Right, a and fan. You, you used to believe, like, for a long time, you believed it was like a Gardner thing, right? Yeah. Like, that it was his problem. It was his hiccup. It was his obstacle that he couldn't overcome. But we've proven time and time again, it doesn't matter who the manager is, we always get fucked by the Yankees. Like, that's (laughs) just how it works. All right. Well, we're not here to kill the Twins today. We are not here to kill the Twins. We're here to kill Derek Jeter. So Before we kill Derek Jeter, go ahead. let me run down just some of his, like, baseline stats and some of his, like, accomplishments. So we can just, we'll put that right out front, and then we'll kind of get into some of my argument points. Okay. So, 20-year major league career, all all with the Yankees. Yankees. So, I mean, that's one thing right there that just, people just don't do that much anymore. So that's kind of a point in his favor. Extraordinarily endearing to the fan base and to the the baseball fandom at large. He played in 16 ALDSs. That's so ridiculous. 10 American League Championship Series and 7 World Series. He had a 310 career batting average and finished sixth all time in hits with 3,456. This is the guy you're going to shit on. I'm going <laughs> to shit all <laughs> over his career. He's a 14 time all star. Yeah. Right? I mean, all right. I think that point right there brings us into sort of a, a, another point, which is okay, 14 time all star. That's a popularity contest. Yes, for the most part. I mean, let's if you really went and looked, I mean, I bet you in that as that 14th time all-star, the majority of those he was the starter, which means he was voted in by the fans. Okay, I, I I'll definitely give you some of that. I I do believe that there's a lot of all-star popularity contest stuff that goes on. So I bet if you were to look, and I didn't do this, <laughs> um, but I bet if you were to look, it wouldn't be a my franchise thing if you did. <laughs> That's true. certainly it wouldn't be a my franchise baseball thing if you did. Um, but my guess is he was not, you know, the best shortstop in the American League. Fourteen out of those years, I, I, I'm not saying he wasn't some of those years, but I'm guessing there are probably even a couple of those years where he, I know for a fact at the end of his career he had no business being in the All Star game. That I'll definitely give you is those late year All Star games are always kind of a, a a sticky wicket, you know. That's um, but you, do you know he was the only player? He's the only player ever to win the All Star MVP and the World Series MVP in the same season. Nah, I, I, I mean, that's more of a factoid than anything. It's else. interesting in that it's never been done before. He was the captain of the Yankees from 2003 to 2014 when he retired. Yeah, I mean, like one of the but 
2003, he had been in the league at that point in time for almost seven years, right? I mean, 95 oh, was sure. his like, rookie year. Well, so I mean, we'll, we'll get to the rest of the people who were on the damn Yankees in, right. in those seasons. But, like, I mean, you know, he that's something that he earned. And, and again, you know, I'm not here to say he sucked. So, like, that him being the captain of the Yankees, that's something he earned. And that was... More of a respect in the locker room thing too, and more of a you know. Of but that that's kind a of huge thing. thing. It is. It is. It is for sure. But it doesn't make you an all-time great. Being being a good teammate and being a good locker room guy makes you a good teammate and a good locker room guy. It doesn't mean you're one of the greatest of all time. I would argue that almost anybody who was a team captain for twelve years of their career is probably somewhere in the all-time great category. It's possible. Uh, again, not looking things up is kind of what we do. Uh, I will say, he uh, he did win the Roberto Clemente Award once, uh, which is a, a big... It's voted on by fans and baseball writers, but it's it's also the, this guy... This guy represents the game to the highest possible standard, both on the field and off the field, competitive-wise, and, you know respect to the community wise. So I, I think that's a that's a big deal. He Would did. this be before, during, or after giving all those gift baskets to the women who visited? <laughs> I New York we were gonna condo. do the gift baskets or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I will say uh, he did have three thousand hits, which is huge. Like you said, sixth all time in hits when he retired. And he is the Yankees all time leader in hits. Yeah. Most storied franchise in uh, baseball. Uh, that's a big deal. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. I mean, I, I have no way of refuting that. I mean, for sure. Now, I, again, in the true banner of my franchise, I didn't go and do the research this deep, but I would also be willing to guess that he probably was on the Yankees for much longer than a lot of other people. Oh, longevity is definitely a factor in Jeter's uh, counting stats over his career. But when you when you sit back and you go through the barroom Mount Rushmore Yankees debate and you say names like Gehrig and Ruth and Mantle and DiMaggio and you realize that Derek Jeter has the most hits of all those players, suddenly Mount Rushmore gets a little more convoluted i think personally i i mean again you're talking about a longevity stat and and i may be talking out of my ass here i mean i don't know if anybody another else, my franchise standard <laughs> i don't know if anybody else has has was on the yankees for 20 years or you know you know had that many i mean he also stayed relatively healthy you know he, he did. didn't miss too many um he i think he had one season where he missed a large portion of the season due to an injury, and that was late in his career. In 2013, he missed most of the season due to injury. He had three other seasons where he played less than 150 games, and I don't, off the top of my head, I can't remember what seasons, but only three other seasons where he played less than 150 games, and he played more than 100 in all three of them, I believe. So, I mean, like, it's, you know... I can't believe I'm defending Derek Jeter, but let's just... <laughs> It's, but that's the thing is like, you know, so again, with the longevity stats, not that there's anything wrong with it, but take another longevity stat from another player that just like really I found to be a meaningless thing is Cal Ripken's consecutive game streak, right? Like, Indeed. there's a lot of reasons that can be praised in the sense of 
it takes a lot to show up every day and play and like avoid the injury and all that stuff. But a lot of that is like luck. A lot of that is, you know, so he didn't happen to pull a hamstring. He didn't happen to, you know, tweak his growing. And, you know, he probably had a manager who, you know, let's face it, not all those Oriole teams were all that great. So he had a manager who's willing to put him out there at 60%. So his streak didn't die. Sure, but it's, uh, well, with in with respect to Jeter, it's not like he didn't play all out all the time. Right. He certainly wasn't not giving it his all in those instances. But I will give you the longevity thing. What happens when you lead, when you play for as long as you do is Nolan Ryan is the all-time leader in strikeouts. Guess what he's also the all-time leader in? Probably hits allowed, home walks. runs allowed. Yeah. He's the all-time leader in walks too. It's the it's the Brett Favre thing Brett as well. Favre, yep. You know? I mean, so you play long enough and at a high level. Let's don't get me wrong. You can't play 20 years in the league and, and be sixth all time in hits and not be good, you know? Right. right. You know? Otherwise, it's just Bull Durham. Yeah. Right? <laughs> We're not like, man, I mean, Marty Cordova played like 20 years and, I mean, he only had a thousand hits, but. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of dudes who played 20 years in some way. Ricky Henderson's still playing as far as Ricky Henderson's <laughs> yeah. concerned. I'm fairly certain Ricky Henderson is probably out there stealing bases in some, like, you know, Triple Z Farm League and <laughs> Tallahassee. in the backyard like we used to, man. Um, I'll tell you what. Why don't we do this? Uh, so we've kind of gotten into... I, I'm starting to see what some of your points are going to be. I'm, I'm starting to feel like we've gotten into why Derek Jeter is actually pretty damn fantastic. Why don't we take a little break here, come back, and get to your arguments about why Derek Jeter is not uh, of the all-time greatest... For sure, but that variety. Does that work for you? That sounds good, man. Cool. Okay. So, system. Welcome back to my franchise bonus tracks. Bonus tracks, baby. And we're killing some heroes today. Our hero that we're killing is Derek Jeter. Oh my goodness, that's right. I am Glenn from the My Franchise Baseball Podcast. I am joined uh, by Jeremy from the My Franchise Football Podcast. All right. In this weird like crossover world that we live in. And Jeremy hates Derek Jeter. I do. So... <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, no, we, go ahead. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> All right, so the number one thing people always want to look at when they're talking about a player is World Series championships. That's, right. That's a big thing, right? Yeah, it gets thrown out a lot, you know. But does a World Series championship or a Super Bowl championship or any of these things in a team sport really have anything to do with that individual? Uh, yeah, again, we, we kind of touched on this earlier is a is a championship in a team sport a, a marker of individual accomplishment? Now, it, it certainly isn't the same way it is in, like we said, golf, swimming, diving, weightlifting, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So Jeter has five World Series championships. Not too shabby. No, not too bad. Okay. Um, I went and looked to see who had the most World Series championships, and what I found was. You have to go all the way down to about the 20th ranked person to find someone who's not a Yankee. So that's the first thing. Yeah. Okay. The person with the most World Series rings is Yogi Berra. Yeah. 
Now, Dogie Bear's not a bad player. I mean, he was he was a catcher. He was, you know... He's a fantastic he, catcher. Yeah, he was fine. He's a phenomenal quote too. He, just, I, he had he had a good he had a good he had a good mouth on him. That's for sure. <laughs> but you wouldn't consider him one of the greatest of all time. You certainly wouldn't consider him the greatest of all I, time. I certainly would not. Yes, I I would say he 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 ranks among the all time greats at catcher, but certainly not the be all end all of of catching Gary Carter. <laughs> but he's got ten World Series rings. He's won the most World Series championships. You have to go all the way down to Eddie Collins, who's about the 18th ranked player to find someone who wasn't a Yankee when, at some point in time, to get their rings. What, Detroit and Chicago, right? Uh, Philadelphia and Chicago. Philly and Chicago, okay. So, like, you have that. And missed on on one World Series ring, if I recall correctly. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Also... Okay, just a quick list of guys who have a little something in common. Ted Williams, Ty Cobb, Ernie Banks, Ken Griffey Jr., Napa Joy, Rod Carew, William McCovey, Harmon Killebrew, Yaz, Tony Gwynn, Barry Bonds. Barry Sanders. Edgar Martinez. <laughs> I think I know where you're going with You think this. so? None of them have won a ring. Right. There's a large number of those players who I would say are better, not all of them necessarily, are better than Derek Jeter. Yeah, that's that's hard to disagree with. I will, however, say that Derek Jeter is rivaled by Reggie Jackson and maybe Reggie Jackson alone in the Mr. October, Mr. November, Captain Clutch routine. Um, Derek Jeter's lifetime batting average in the World Series is 321. Yeah, and I literally, like, through all my research and everything that I did, I have no argument against, like, Jeter's playoff success. It, it, it's tough to argue with. And, like, we can talk ad nauseum about how batting average is kind of an antiquated stat as it applies to, um, as it applies to a player's overall worth. But when we're talking about the sample size of the postseason and we're talking about the sample size of the World Series, by the way, his postseason batting average all time is 308. Yep. That's outstanding. It when you have the small sample size of the playoffs and of the World Series in and of itself, then I think batting average becomes slightly more relevant cuz we're not talking about like various sacrifice flies and various uh things that go on throughout the course of a 162 game season. Right. But to sit back and say like in all of his play, and listen, this is how many postseason series? Eleven. Yep. In eleven postseason, well, sixteen uh, ALDSs. I mean, total series. You're talking about thirty-three. Yeah, is eleven seasons. Thirty-three total series. This guy hit three hundred eight. Right. That's outstanding. It is, and I, I guess the only defense I have against it. So you know. Obviously, when you're when you're killing a Hall of Famer, like there are going to be a few <laughs> indisputable facts about the fact right. that this guy's pretty good. But I would say that if you looked at every one of those lineups that he played in, he was never never the focal point, never the guy that people were trying center. to get out. 
Right. He was the table setter. That that I would say is is. I mean, Jeter's kind of a career second hitter. Like he's not a leadoff guy. He's not a number three or four, number five. He's not not a middle of the order guy. He's a number two hitter. I think there's some seasons where he hits he's a third. Fantastic and, one. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but but my point is is that like most of the time when you're game planning and when you're putting together like who you're going to stop. I mean, there's so much protection in that lineup. You're not trying to stop Derek Jeter. You're essentially saying Jeter's going to get his. You know, we obviously we're going to try to get him out. We're going to, but, but like Jeter's going to get his. Like that's not the guy we're trying to stop. And that that and I know that that's more of a football argument than a baseball argument. It doesn't really work <laughs> that way. But it's I think it still applies to some extent. Yeah, because Jeter was uh, Jeter scored an awful damn lot of runs throughout that career and throughout those postseason runs too. So uh, the the attempts to not stop Jeter but stop Bernie Williams, Jorge Posada, etc., etc., must have um, failed at right, some but, point. <laughs> but I mean, listen to the names you just said. It wasn't like Jeter was getting on base and setting the table for Matthew Lecroy. Okay, I, I mean, I'll give you that. There's certainly, like, we, I dug through, uh, you know, I dug through and looked at, I'm sure you did too, you know, that, that 98 to 2000, right? Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the three-peat um, World Series champion routine. I looked at the rest of those lineups. Yep. The rest of those lineups are outstanding. They are. I mean, like, if you just look, I mean, like, 98 to 2000, if you just look, each of those teams had a minimum of three other all-stars other than Jeter. Well, you, Tito, Bernie Williams, Chuck Knobloch, Paul O'Neill, um, uh, Alfonso Soriano was on a couple of those teams, Daryl Strawberry. Um, Not to mention, you had, I mean, the catcher Mike Stanton had a couple good, like, all-star um, all-star. Pasado was in on there. Pasado yep. was on all those teams too. Um, you also had the situation. You had like Jason Giambi, Hideki Matsui. You had your pitchers, Mariano Rivera. I don't know if you mentioned him already, but like on the other side of the ball, you also had that going for you as well. <laughs> um, but from ninety-eight in ninety-eight and ninety-nine for the season, Derek Jeter had the highest WAR amongst. Any of the New York Yankees position players. Yeah. And in 2000, he had the third highest WAR. WAR, if you guys aren't familiar with it out there, stands for wins above replacement. It's a super complicated thing to figure out. There's two different versions of it, but it's a widely accepted uh, analytical sabermetric stat for determining how many wins a player gave to their team above what a replacement player would have done. Just a rando triple-A, quad-A kind of guy. Um, and Derek Jeter, in 98, 99, was the best Yankee by that standard. Yeah. I And see, this is where I struggle with war. I mean, for the most part, it's kind of hard to refute war. But the thing I struggle with war is, even with replacement-type stuff, it still matters who's around you. Like, even even if you're talking about... If you take those Yankees teams... And you replace Derek Jeter with, you know, a middle of the road shortstop at that time. Okay. Whatever it is. Like, those Yankee teams are still probably playoff teams, and most likely they don't win all those World Series, but I bet you they win a couple of them. And instead of the shortstop batting second, he's batting eighth? Yes. 
And so, like, there's, like, when you, feel you on that. when you take war, war is a great stat when you're looking at, like, a global perspective of the game. And you just want to, like, kind of see where people are at. But when you really dive down into, like, the minutia of things, like, it's just another set of numbers that you can manipulate and kind of make do what you want it to do. That's true. What I think war is, and we're going to get to this uh, with Jeter, and career war, I think, is a huge thing. The, the part about war that's kind of strange, interesting, good, bad, I don't know. But war is kind of based on what other players at your position in your era were about to. Um, which, again, we'll get to with uh, some of the career war stuff. But speaking of other players in Jeter's era. So I would argue, and of course I'm using what we just talked about in terms of, you know, Derek Jeter is a Yankee as part of the basis of this argument. I don't even know if he was the best shortstop in his era. So, I mean, whether or not you argue he's the greatest of all time, which some people will, I don't even think he's in that conversation. I, there's not, it's Honus Wagner and, but that's a whole other deal. Um, Do you know what Honus Wagner's lifetime war is? It's probably ridiculous. Like 130. <laughs> um, but I would argue that Jimmy Rollins is the better pure baseball player. That's, um... There are some... There were a lot of... The problem with talking about Jeter's era is Jeter's era lasted a long friggin' time. Yeah. I mean, 20 years is a long time. But there have been a lot of great shortstops to cruise through. Um, and a lot of flash-in-the-pan great shortstops. Yep. I mean, guys who didn't have... Still like Tulowitzki Or Hanley Ramirez's brief appearance as a shortstop. Well, and guys who didn't have the longevity. I mean, guys who... I mean, like, even like Troy Tulowitzki, for example. Yeah. A guy who was great for a short amount of time and he kind of petered out and, right. and faded away. Um, but I mean, Rollins, I mean, Rollins played 16 years. I mean, granted he had one of those kind of like Jeter did the end of the year, like, and, and Rollins went and played for the Dodgers and, mm. and the White Sox, you know, and the White Sox. Yep. Um, but if you look at their overall career numbers, mm -hmm. I mean, Jeter is going to blow them away. I mean, like Jeter has, Almost 30 more war. I mean, Jeter's at a 71.3 career. Rollins is at a 47.6. So if, like, you... Okay, can... so you're going to make my argument for me. That's cool. This is going to be an easy segment. But where where it, it comes to me is that if you look at the argument of each of those players in their prime, given what was surrounding them, given the... I mean, Rollins carried that Phillies team. But I... I Fuck no, he did not. Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, and Carlos Ruiz. Um, uh, what the fuck was that one guy? Shane Victorino, dude. No, Rollins. Rollins was surrounded by dudes when the Phillies won the World Series. Yeah, during like a very short, like two to three year stint of what was going on in Philadelphia, he did. There was also during that time. What did the Phillies have? During those really short World Series periods, they had pitching. Cole Hamels. Yeah. So, but if you go Cliff and Lee, look. Roy Holiday. Yeah, I think Rollins was surrounded by talent, dude. I'm not saying he wasn't <laughs> surrounded by talent, but could, if you put Rollins in that Yankees lineup, 
Just imagine what kind of numbers he puts up. With that kind of protection, with that type of, with with his, with with what he does. I mean, if you look at like the different things, like there's a lot of more of the like counting stats and things like that. I mean, Rollins had, you know, 30 less home runs than Jeter. All right. In his career. But he also had about 2000 less at bats. Yeah. Okay. Um, Rollins had more Rollins in 2000 less at bats had 80 more stolen bases. Okay. And that was with lesser lineups. And you can sit there and say, but let's take, you brought up the 2001 season, right? Yeah. Okay, so the 2001 season. Um, the Phillies had none of those players that you were talking about. Jimmy Rollins was the only all-star on that team. The Phillies that year didn't make the playoffs. They they lost to Atlanta by two games in the division. Yeah. Atlanta ended up playing in the NLC Championship Series against the Diamondbacks that year. Okay, the Yankees had nine more wins than the Phillies did that season. Nine more wins. Rollins was the only all-star on that team. Here are, like, some of the players, okay? Johnny Johnny Estrada. Speaking of the Braves, did you know that in the 99 World Series, Derek Jeter batted 350 against Tom (laughs) Clavin? Kevin Wood, Craig Maddox, and John Small. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, I mean, there's no doubt in the fact that, like, um, in the fact that <laughs> you know he he did some pretty amazing things. But here, Johnny Estrada, Travis Lee, Marlon Anderson, Scott Rowland, Pat Burrell, Doug Glanville, Bobby Abreu. Scott Rowland, Bobby Abreu, I'll give you... and Pat Burrell were all very good baseball players. Okay, I, I'm I'm not gonna deny. I understand that. it's not the same stacked lineup, but like, look at what was it, 2008, 2009, the Phillies runs at the World Series. Right. Those lineups are, I wouldn't say as good as the '98 through 2000 Yankees lineups, but I mean, you're talking about a lineup I wouldn't want to face, and I would definitely argue that the pitching was better. By by leaps and bounds, better than what the Yankees are putting. Because like we know all the names of like Andy Pettit and Mike Mussina and Roger Clemens at that point in his career and all those things. But like these are all guys who were pitching to a four and a half ERA. Like the Yankees weren't about pitching. No, but they. I mean, also Brad Lidge at that time was as good a closer as anybody else was in the league. Yeah, I mean, I'm. Listen, I'm not denying that, but I, all I'm saying is that you look at you look at Rollins. I mean, let's just go over like some of the pros and cons here, okay? Okay. All right. So both players hit for average, okay? I would say on some of Rollins's down years, he was a little bit less. He's about a 280 to 320 hitter, and Jeter's a pretty pretty much a 300 guy, but they're pretty close. Rollins kind of did the like. Rollins was kind of the Willie Mays Hayes major league. Leadoff hitter, wasn't he? Oh yeah, or like he was. He was. Well, he wasn't even a leadoff hitter. I mean, he hit cleanup for the Phillies a lot of the time, and that's another in, in thing. Early in, but I mean, like even with those guys I just named on that 2001 team, Pat Burrell, Bobby Abreu, those guys. I mean, he's hitting cleanup. Yeah, I mean, I, when you say like when you say if you to put him on those Yankees teams, it is basically Jeter's replacement. What would his numbers have been like? I think similar. I don't think he had the same 
I don't think he played the same way Jeter did. He definitely didn't. But, yes. So if you want to get into the minutia of like, well, Jeter was the right player, the right fit for the right system for the, at the right time. And, you know, he, he fit into the way the Yankees wanted to play. And Rollins was more of a power hitter. And that's not what they needed out of their shortstop. But Rollins stole bases. Yeah. And you can't tell me that's not a table much better base stealer. In the next segment, I'm going to tell you right now that Rollins is far and away the better defensive shortstop, despite the fact mm-hmm. that Jeter has five gold gloves. So, that's a weird one. So really, mm-hmm. like, you know, Rollins' big con is he's got a low OPP. That's his big, like, that's the big knock against Rollins. Right. Okay. Jeter's con is he doesn't steal bases. He doesn't really have a lot of power. I wouldn't say he doesn't steal bases. He doesn't steal bases at the rate that he averaged 21 stolen bases throughout a 20-year career. Right, but I'm talking comparatively. Well, and, but that goes to strategy, too. True. You know, are we... You don't if, need to it, steal bases if... Would Jeter steal... Eight guys behind you are all 30 home run guys. Would Jeter have stole a shitload of bases on the Phillies? Right. True, true. Oh, by the way, do you want to hear the names of the five guys who got drafted before Derek Jeter? I would love to hear their names. This is outstanding. Phil Nevin. Paul Shuey. Never heard of him. B.J. Wallace. Never heard of him. Jeffrey Hammonds. I've heard of him. And Chad Matala. Definitely never heard of him. Those are the guys who got picked I've heard of Phil. Phil Nevin was drafted by the Padres, right? Astros. 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 I feel like he played for the Padres. He might have. I kind of yeah. think everybody played for the Padres. Unbelievable. One one other key thing. Okay. One thing that Jeter never has done that Rollins did do was win an MVP. Okay. In a year, Wait, that, in a year in that he year didn't that... make the All-Star team, by the way, which I found <laughs> in incredibly the... interesting. What in God's name happened in the second half of that season? I, it had to be like one of the greatest second halves in like the history of baseball. <laughs> Where are the National League All-Star shortstops that year? Oh, who do we... Uh, we said J.J. Hardy... Yeah, J.J. Hardy and Jose, Jose Reyes, Reyes, which I expected. Yeah. But, like, and, and when we were talking about it, I was like, as, I mean, Reyes, Tulo, Hanley, maybe something. But, like, yeah, Jose Reyes and J.J. Hardy. Yep. The All-Stars. But then Rollins. Jimmy Rollins, MVP. the MVP. <laughs> so that, 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 that just goes to show you All-Star. You, well, okay, you win take the, the All-Star you game. The, and you win the 14-time All-Star debate, I guess, on that subject. Do you want to hear Jimmy Rollins' postseason uh, batting averages and stuff? Versus Probably Derek not, Jeter? since I'm using him as my... <laughs> as my uh, Jimmy Rollins, what? Uh, is he saying six years of postseason? Six, yeah, significantly... Six years. A lot less. A lot a smaller less of sample, sample size. size. Which probably makes this worse, not better, by the way. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Jimmy Rollins' postseason batting average was 246. His postseason on base percentage was 308. And I only bring up his postseason on base percentage because Derek Jeter's fucking batting average was 308. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. A lot of how players are perceived does come down to that that postseason stuff. And that, that, that media spotlight has a huge impact, too. I mean, like, Jimmy Rollins was not exactly a... Philadelphia, although East Coast-ish, not exactly the media darling that New York or Boston is, right? No, and I think to the greater point in that regard, being the fact that Jeter happened to be a Yankee, the fact that Jeter got drafted by the Yankees, he he did happen to be a really good player who got 
essentially lifted into legendary status because of the uniform he put on. And I really believe that because, like, I don't think if you take Derek Jeter and you throw him on, I mean, name a random team that we, someone that we haven't talked about yet. You throw him on the Oakland A's. Okay. Okay. I don't think you're talking about a guy He wouldn't have been there for 20 years. A guy who plays there for 20 years, who goes to seven World Series. It just isn't... And it doesn't mean he might have even had better numbers in another place. But because he was a Yankee, he went from being... I mean, I'm not sitting here arguing he's not a Hall of Famer. I mean, I I 100% agree that he's a Hall of Famer. Right. I'm arguing that he's not one of the greatest of all time. Well, you have a you have an interesting comp. Uh, I know you have an interesting comp who is another guy who played his entire career in one place, the place he was drafted. And I want to hear those those comparisons. But let's do a quick break before that, and then we'll come back and we'll. That's a good tease, right? Sounds good. Solid stuff. All right, guys, we're back, and we kind of teased it before um, before the last segment, or at the end of the last segment. Before oh, the you last... don't do a whole elaborate intro on your podcast. Welcome back to the blah blah blah. Not usually. Oh crap. no, we're not. I'm we're sorry. not elaborate. I... <laughs> it's the problem here is when you do this like cross. Uh, yeah. Cross thing. When, when gets... you cross streams. Yeah, when you cross streams, it gets weird. It gets... <laughs> There's a backsplash. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Kill so, your heroes. Volume one. Derek Jeter. Jeremy. At the end away. of the last segment, you uh, you teased um, you teased a player who I essentially see as a good comparison to Derek Jeter. I before you even say who that is, I am going to say that I have um, absolutely zero disagreements with this comparison. I have always thought exactly this same thing about this player. All right, so my guy is Joe Maurer. Mm-hmm. Now, I can go over the numbers, but like Maurer's career was not nearly as long as Jeter's, mm-hmm. um, so it's it's sort of hard to give like a total comparison. Concussions, but, injuries, position switching, yes, et cetera, et cetera, all that stuff. But when you take all his seasons played for the same franchise and how beloved he is by the fan base. And I think the role he played on the team. I agree with that. The role he should have played on the should team. Should have played on the team. That's a better way to say it. Um, you know, because, you know, maybe as we talked about earlier, is about Jeter being like the uh, the number two hitter. Right That's place. what Maurer should have been. Yeah. Derek Jeter, right place, right time, right persona for what was needed. Exactly what was needed. So the war here is in favor of Jeter, 71.3 to 55.3. So um, that's a that's a difference. I also wonder with war, I'm totally veering in. A to- I'm, I'm tangenting, as, Derek, as you guys do in the baseball podcast. It's a franchise tradition. <laughs> Does war take into consideration like like the amount of wins your team has? I mean, if you play on a team that isn't winning very many games in the first place, regardless of how good you are, are you really contributing? No, war is that's kind of a war is not that. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Abstract. Like it's 
Wins above replacement is, it's a weird, I've never quite been able to grasp exactly what providing a win above a replacement player means, but I do understand that it it's a way to judge whether, how much you're contributing to your team more than the average Joe would wow. in this situation. <laughs> Oh, All right. That so, just happened. Just a couple like <laughs> Jeter almost had twice as many at bats as Maurer. Um Maurer had close had over half as many hits. So 3465 hits for Jeter, Maurer had 2123. But again, you're talking about counting stats. We need right. we need rate stats to compare the right. two. Um Maurer, sorry, I'm getting lost in my own stuff. Maurer had a better OPS career OPS than Jeter did. That is useful. His OPS plus was higher than than Jeter's was. And OPS plus, if you guys aren't aware of it, is... So OPS is on-base percentage plus slugging percentage. So that takes into account every single time you had a plate appearance uh, where batting average only takes into account basically hits versus outs. OPS plus... Accounts for era and ballpark, and it's not a long enough podcast today (laughs) to dig into exactly what that means, but it's a good indicator of how good a player was as a hitter over his career. Anyway. And then um, OBP, uh, Mauer's also um, higher than um, Jeter, 388 to a 377. So they're not far apart, but um, on all those count on all those stats, Maurer is better than Jeter in all those stats. So I think because I don't think by any stretch that you are trying to say that Joe Maurer, the Joe Maurer's career is as good as Derek Jeter's. No, what I think you're getting at, and what I agree with a hundred percent, is that if you put Joe Maurer in the Derek Jeter role in the Yankees lineup. So if Derek Jeter was the Twins shortstop and Joe Maurer was the Yankees catcher, your argument is that Joe Maurer would, would be Derek Jeter. And it, it, as much as it's my job to to back Jeter in this argument today, I have a really hard time disagreeing with that. They're both players who had very similar disciplines, very similar, which is why, like like I said, talking about Rollins, talking about Reyes, talking about Tulo. Um, They're all such different types of players. Very different. Derek Jeter was the epitome of a shortstop type of player, right? Except for he couldn't play defense. Oh, um, but I, I mean, as far as a hitter goes, he's the class. He was a classic shortstop. He was a throwback to the. I know you kind of ragged on him a little bit, and I wouldn't disagree with you. The Cal Ripken type of shortstop, the Ozzy Guillen type of shortstop. Well, shortstop. I mean, remember, like we grew up in the like Ozzy Smith. You know, like I mean, if you remember, like Ozzy Smith, like he he wasn't even that great of a hitter. I mean, Ozzy Smith he was a terrible was, hitter. Ozzy Smith was a, an amazing <laughs> defender, though, but. Now, he was an okay contact. Hitter. Nowadays, shortstops are power hitters. We do expect more power out of it. We expect more power out of every position. I mean, like, honestly, I hate, I hate with every fiber of my being to say this. Derek Jeter's Ernie Banks type. 
Yeah, I think that's a fair comparison. That's a fair place to to put him. He really is. I'm getting goosebumps from saying that because I'm so mad at myself. Like, there's <laughs> nothing. I mean, and it, and what a fine example of wrong place at the wrong time, right? Ernie Banks, but that's the kind of shortstop he was. He's the classic shortstop. He wasn't the power hitter. You know, it's. Maurer, if you took him as a first baseman, it's the same thing. Maurer should have always been hitting number two. Yep. He should have always been a table setter for the other guys. He should have never had... What did he hit? 38 home runs in one year? Yeah. There was no reason for him to do that. Well, and, and the thing was is that the problem was is they never had three hitters that they could put in the 3-4-5 spot to protect Maurer. They never, except for the year that they had Tomei and Hunter, and they had the one year where, and, and know, Maurer as, still hit third. And as Twins fans, we want to believe, you know, like Morneau was fantastic. Kadair had some great stuff. Torrey Hunter was a great player. Can you really sit there and say that these guys are Bernie Williams and Tito Martinez and Jorge Posada? No. And, <laughs> no, I, I, absolutely not. And they... And can you say that they're Chase Utley and Ryan Howard and and Miguel Tejada was a Philly too, wasn't he? No, no. A's and Orioles from Miguel A's Tejada. He maybe played for like seventeen different teams at the end of his career, but because I feel like Miguel Tejada is one of those guys that played till he was like sixty-seven. But it, uh, Victorino and Burrell and all the other dudes who played for you know Mauer. Mauer never got to just be. He got like Josh Willingham and you know. Other trash like that. Yeah, it's a, we could probably do an entire Maurer podcast. But you touched on something uh, a minute ago when we talked about Ozzie Guillen, Ozzie Smith, Cal Ripken, Ernie Banks, all these other shortstops. What is your problem with Derek Jeter's defense? I mean, he won five gold gloves. You don't see me rolling my eyes. But I <laughs> all right, so let's start off with fielding percentage. Jeter always had one of the best fielding percentages in the league, which is why he won gold gloves. The problem with fielding percentages is it only includes balls that he got to. Fielding percentage doesn't take into account balls that he didn't get to for whatever reason. Can we, before we go any further, can we agree that shortstop is the hardest defensive position on the baseball diamond? Agreed. So... That, to me, is like, okay, he had a high fielding percentage. That's why he won a lot of gold gloves. He had a jump throw, too. He had a, <laughs> a flair for the dramatic. And I think that's another thing. You combine those two things. It's, and I know you're, you're dicking with me a little bit, but you're right. In the sense of, like, how many defensive plays that Jeter made do you remember, like, ingrained in your head? The flip. I mean, he has, like, plays named after him. Right. And so, like, you associate that with him being a great defensive player. But that's not the case. So, first, (laughs) I'm going to look at UZR, which is ultimate zone rating. Okay? And essentially what UZR... It's time for a complicated explanation of a stat. (laughs) Again. Again. (laughs) So, essentially what UZR is, is it tells you how many runs better or worse you are than the average player at your position. So this so is war for defense. It's essentially war for defense. So a plus five is above average, a zero is average, a negative five below, and a negative ten is poor. Okay. 2009 is the only season that he was above average in his career. Every other season, he was below average or worse, including a negative 15 in 2005 and a negative 18 in 2007. So that right there is... That looking at his career, his career UZR is negative seventy five point six. 
Wow. His career defensive war is negative 14.7. And his plus minus is negative 125. And that's not even my best point. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have an... I I always believed that Derek Jeter was a was a damn good defensive baseball player. And I think it's mostly because of again, like like you were talking about, the the gold gloves, the the flash kind of plays, and the the feeling percentage, which again is balls that you got to. I don't have a I don't have a great frame of reference for like who like what was somebody else of that era who I was so Hanley Ramirez is a terrible fielder, right? Well, I, I don't have, I don't have a lot of UZRs from other people. What I do have is defensive runs saved, okay. which is like the final argument I'm going to make. So this is from 2003 to 2015. So this is essentially a large portion of Jeter's career. It's, it's not, it's a good chunk, but it doesn't cover the right. It doesn't cover night. some of the early years. It doesn't I, cover us graduating. And that's <laughs> where Jeter really shined. Um, so in that time frame, all right, defensive runs saved. Um, for example, the best shortstop during that time played 3,000 innings. It was Andrelton Simmons. There's Simmons, the, yep. I don't, I don't have to look or think about that. 88 <laughs> defensive runs saved is his number. So you go down this list, and you have a lot of guys. I'm just going to take the guys who had over 10,000 innings played because I think that's – Jeter had 13,000. So I think that's fair. Okay, so J.J. Hardy had 78 defensive runs saved. Uh, Raphael Farcall, 52. This is good. These guys prevented – he prevented 78 runs. That's that's what this stat is supposed to tell me. Jimmy Rollins, 49. Johnny Peralta, 1. Orlando Cabrera, negative 13. Miguel Tejada, negative 29. Unieski Benecourt, negative 66. So you're getting into the hitters now. These are the, I mean, not that Rollins wasn't, not that Hardy wasn't, but like. So the second. The only reason Peralta played shortstop was because he had an okay bat, right? Right. But he still had a one. We're still positive. Okay. The second worst. Okay, the second worst shortstop in this era, Tolowitzki. Okay, was Hanley Ramirez. Oh, Tolowitzki never would have played ten thousand. <laughs> was negative seven. Actually, Tolowitzki is the third best. Really? Yep. He had uh, eight thousand innings and seventy-eight defensive runs saved. I didn't know he was that. I, I, I honestly, I'm pleading ignorance on that one. I never knew how right. he played. Defense. So Hanley Ramirez is the second worst in this category. This I was not surprised to hear. With a negative seventy-three. And oh, and in a stunning turn of events, who's going to be the worst? That would be Derek Jeter, who is a negative 152. He has over double the second worst player during that era on defensive run saved. He's literally, like, worse. Like, he could, he, he's double what Hanley Ramirez was as the second worst shortstop in okay. that era. Okay, how many innings did Hanley play in that Stretch that you've cherry picked nine thousand two hundred thirty seven. And how many did Derek? Thirteen thousand. So okay. about four thousand less innings. <laughs> four thousand, four thousand more innings played by Jeter. So even if you if you in four thousand innings, he only gave up like twenty more runs. No, in four thousand more innings, he gave up about eighty more runs. Eighty in four thousand. I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but that seems okay. 
It's twisted. Even if if you were to take those four thousand innings and add it to Hanley, it's about a third of what he did. So you add about forty runs to Hanley's, he would still be about forty runs behind Jeter. And Hanley's not good. Uh. <laughs> so I mean, that's the thing is that like, like you said, Jeter made the plays. He if if it was hit to him, chances are he was gonna field it. If he had to go to his left or his right a little bit, it was pretty <laughs> questionable. And we got to see the flair for the dramatic, especially in big moments that made us believe he was a good defensive player. Well, he made it look good, though. I mean, like, that's that's part of selling your legacy. I'm not saying by any stretch that that makes you a great player. But, like, marketing is a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, like, you know, I, we, we were arguing earlier about Jimmy Rollins being... I was arguing that he might be a better player. And you have to take into account both sides of the ball. And I think oftentimes people only think of offense. And if you look at this, I mean, Jimmy Rollins is 200 more defensive runs saved. He's a plus 49 as a shortstop as opposed to a negative 152. You should look up Jimmy Rollins' career errors versus Derek Jeter's career errors. All right, we'll have that ready for next segment. How about just that? For the, when we, when just, we get to that. Just for argument's sake. I mean, like, and not that, like, here's the thing about defense in baseball is there is nothing surefire to determine what is and ain't the right way to call it. Am I right? Well, right. It's, it's, this, there's, I mean, even strikeouts is subjective in a way. Because you're dealing with different umpires, different strike zones. Yeah, I mean, like how it gets scored has a has a huge impact on the the overall stats that guys accumulate over the course of their lives. Um, I don't have honestly, like I I did so much on just I was so overwhelmed by how good a hitter Derek Jeter was that I that's lost how he track gets you. <laughs> <laughs> um, he distracts you with his stupid-looking face, his gift baskets that he puts on, puts did, in your car at the end of the thing. And, and the reason I always disliked Derek Jeter was because he looked like a guy I would have went to high school with who I wanted to punch. And I wasn't a punchy guy in high school. Like I actually like I wore my Slayer T-shirts. I burned my incense. I I played my drums and my guitar. And and I got beat up by the guys who looked like Derek Jeter, and and there was one in particular who I who looked a lot like Jeter who I wanted to punch, um, which, which is the only reason I I hate him. Now that I've looked up uh, how amazing he was, I um, I I have a whole new respect for him. So let's do this. Let's take one more quick break. Let's come back. Let's try and wrap this whole thing up. Not that we're going to come to a conclusion today or anything, but let's talk about errors and let's talk about some other shortstops who are of Derek Jeter's ilk and and see if that's where he falls in. Does that work for you? That works for me. Excellent. Welcome back, my franchise bonus tracks here with bonus our tracks. inaugural episode of Kill Your Heroes. I am Glenn 
from the My Franchise Baseball Podcast. I am joined by Jeremy from the My Franchise Football Podcast. I'm killing Derek Jeter today. You're killing Derek Jeter. Where can you reach us if you hate Derek Jeter as much as Jeremy does, or if you love Derek Jeter as much as... I'm gonna say Yankees fans do because I'm I'm I I feel I'm firmly in the middle here. But <laughs> so you can find us at on Twitter at myfranchise.com. You can also find us at myfranchisebball. So that's where you can find both of our podcasts, and you know probably be able to find this one there as well. We haven't fully got that figured out yet, but we will. <laughs> you know. Yeah, we're making this up as we go along. The crossover podcasts are a new thing. But um, we have, and my franchise baseball, there's a Facebook, my yep. franchise baseball podcast. My fan, yep, something. my franchise baseball. Is, you can, if you just type in my franchise baseball, you'll find it on, on Facebook. Franchise is spelled with a Z, of it course. It is spelled with a Z, yep. Because that's how things are these days. So we've been discussing, tearing down, talking about Derek Jeter and his Hall of Fame-worthy career, we both would agree on, correct? Oh, for sure. But, you know, Jeremy's been talking about how he's not the greatest of all time. I've been talking about how much respect I've earned for him in researching that he is, is right up there with some of the greats. Um, I will say before I get to kind of the final just wrap up thing is for a guy who came up in 1995, I've never heard a steroid accusation argument, anything of that nature. No, I mean, he's, he's been clean. I mean, like that's something that, you know, it's commendable for the era. It is. I mean, especially because that era was very tainted. A lot of those players, I mean, like, 98, you know, Long Gone Summer, Maguire, Sosa, eventually Bonds, all that stuff. Um, And and really, regardless of how you feel about that, like, regardless of how you feel about the steroids era, and the, I mean, like, you could go into a historical perspective of cheating in baseball when it comes to, and, like, whatever, I mean, playing field and all that stuff. The fact that he never, he was able to maintain a 20-year career and never... At least as far as we know. Never even get an accusation. Yeah. Is is the big thing. Like, most guys, like, we're basically now conditioned to believe that if if there's not an accusation, there wasn't an, uh, there wasn't a thing, right? Yeah. We, we all believe that, like, Ken Griffey, Frank Thomas, Derek Jeter never took steroids. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think that... You know, Griffey was the name I was going to bring up. Is just I think that that's something that we're pretty clear on is that there were just some guys who did it the right way. Yeah, and and I believe that that Jeter is is one of those guys. So to kind of finalize this whole thing, to just talk about the last bit is we you're saying he's he's definitely Hall of Fame worthy. I I would agree with that. First ballot Hall of Fame. I can accept that as well. Uh, almost unanimous, one vote shy. Don't we don't need don't we don't need to talk about that. That's got that's, <laughs> that's got more to do with uh, the Baseball Writers Association of America than it does with anything else, doesn't it? Don't make me get into a like how stupid the damn writers are in this. Like there can't be unanimous Hall of Fame. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> uh, so that uh, that stuff is all kind of beside the point. So. 
He, so we've talked about war, uh, wins above replacement. We did, did we touch on, I don't think we've touched on Jaws yet. We haven't um, talked, no, we haven't really talked about it. Jaws is, um, a, a statistic that, that, uh, somebody came up with J Jaffe, um, to determine a, a player's hall of fame worthiness. And it takes, it takes a player's career war, uh, and averages it against his seven-year peak war just to kind of determine the the Hall of Fame worthiness of somebody because Hall of Fame guys, it, it, it tends to be not just career greatness, but like what their peak was like. Um, so it, it, I don't know how useful it is as a stat, but it, but it is a stat. Um, I mean, it's just as useful as anything else, right? I mean... You know, any statistic that you look at, you take with a grain of salt and, you know, you move, you move on from there. So, yeah, by way of, com it, it, it's a way of comparing different Hall of Fame level players. Uh, when you look at war, and, and I did in terms of Derek Jeter, I found the other two shortstops who are closest to him in all-time war. And those guys are Alan Trammell and Barry Larkin. Derek Jeter's career war is 71.3. Alan Trammell's is 70.7. .7, Barry Larkin's is 70.5. Again, Honus Wagner's is 130.8. Again, that takes into account era and uh, the level of competition at that time. But, like, Derek Jeter is for sure on par with Trammell and Larkin, right? Yeah, I mean, so it's an interesting question because... I, I think he's right there with those two players. But when you think of Barry Larkin and Alan Trammell... Did I make your argument for you, I guess? Yeah, I mean, like, question. do you think of... Do you think of the all-time greats? I, I think they're both really good shortstops. I think they are both really fun to watch. Yeah, I, I, I do think of the all-time greats. I don't know that... I don't know if that... If I were in a bar right now and we were having a, a drink and somebody said, who's the greatest shortstop of all time? That Barry Larkin would have rolled off my tongue. That right. Alan Trammell would have rolled off my tongue. Honestly, and G the guys, Jeter might have. Jeter may have. The guys I remember are Ozzie Smith, Ozzie Guillen, but that's... that's Sean Dunstan. <laughs> Sean Dunstan. <laughs> Greg Gagne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but no, I mean, like, there was a... Part of the Gian and, and Smith mythology may be that I was younger when they were at their peak. Um, so I heard the same thing. Obviously, Ernie Banks would come up in yep. in my world. Honus Wagner, of course, would. But again, I have no real frame of reference for Honus Wagner's career. So, I mean, I, there's a couple big names you left off that just to kind of finish off. Sure. Uh, Cal Ripken Jr., Obviously, has to be in that conversation as well. Yeah. Um, Robin Yount. Robin be, Yount's a good one. Would yeah. be another one. And then, and of course, this is this is being a bit of a smartass, but it's true. Technically, Jeter wasn't even the best shortstop in the clubhouse because Alex Rodriguez <laughs> is generally right considered okay. a top five all-time shortstop. Yeah, but that happens because he played shortstop for a period of time. Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm just. I'm just saying, you know, I, uh, like I said, I'm just being a smart ass, but I, I get it. I, 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 I get it for sure. Like, uh, so, I mean, I guess to wrap up the, the whole conversation is like, I don't necessarily disagree with you, 
in Jeter's all timeness. Um, is he the greatest shortstop of all time? No, I, I don't agree with that by any stretch. Is he on par with Trammell and Larkin, who he's similar to in career war? Absolutely. Uh, and I, and I, I agree with you on that. And I would say that, you know, kind of wrapping it up and kind of looking at this is it's sort of the point of what we're doing here. Right. I mean, we're, we're kind of showing you that like these, these shiny, um, you know, these shiny superstars who are just, no one ever has a bad thing to say about them. I mean, they, they have warts too. And, and, you know, Jeter through it all. I mean, like I said, my biggest point against him was he just wasn't that good of a defensive shortstop. I mean, like, it's not like he didn't know how to put his glove on or anything, but, like, he, you know... <laughs> that was he, how I played baseball, kids. <laughs> he, he wasn't special as a defender. And because of some of those amazing defensive plays he made in his career, a lot of us, including myself before doing this research, like, kind of thought he was a great defensive player. Five gold gloves. that The flip. I mean, like that. You know, everybody yeah. remembers that play where he got out Giambi at home plate. You know, that all the all the uh, all the re- highlights of him. You know, running and flipping throw. over it's a tarp, throw, the jump throw. I it's mean, like throw. all that stuff. At the end of the day, though, he was below average as a defender. I gotta say, as a lifetime Jeter hater kind of guy, like I've never been a huge, huge Jeter supporter. I can respect that the man, you know, kicked ass at baseball, but I honestly did not know until I dug into this how damn good the man hit in the playoffs. Well, I know you I know you hate in the, the playoffs word in particular. You know, when we we've talked about this before, but he he was clutch. I mean, he sure. he, you know, and and we kind of talked about you don't like that definition of clutch, you know, and earlier, not on the podcast, but when we were talking outside. Right. But, like, the thing is, is that he came up big in big moments. Yes. And that's one of the things. It was It was really hard going through this to really truly come up with an argument for him in terms of against him as a hitter. Sure. I, I mean, he's shown bright on the biggest stages. What What's interesting to me is I... Most of the time, I agree with you that postseason accomplishments do not a postseason team accomplishments do not a great player make. However, it, it, with respect to Jeter, I damn if he was not the catalyst for a lot of that. And again, like learning that ninety eight and ninety nine, he was the best player according to WAR on the Yankees. Even with a stacked team, that's hard to argue with for me, you know. Uh, so I would say big props to to Derek Jeter for for a twenty year career, uh, Hall of Fame worthy career, a a career that I think literally, if if you asked me what did I learn from all this, I would say that Derek Jeter is just as good as Barry Larkin and Alan Trammell. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a good place to end. So, um, you know, so that's a a hero has been killed. Yeah, we 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 dropped our first hero. Um, we're gonna be putting out more of these. We're gonna kill some more heroes, some different sports, different things, and just have a little bit of fun with this. So yeah, and if you've got a hero that you'd like to have uh, killed, uh, hit us up at my franchise B ball on Twitter at my franchise. Or, yep, at my at franchise. My franchise. 
MyFanchise.com, all over the Facebooks. If there's a place, type in my franchise, you'll find us. It'll just, be glorious. Just make sure you use a Z. Correct. Yeah, use a Z uh, because <laughs> that's how we do it. We do it with a Z and we do it by fans for fans. Yeah. Yeah, the kids that-